All right. It's good to be in worship with you, and uh, I especially want to welcome those of you who are watching online. We are so thankful for this technology uh, that keeps us connected, even though you're not able to be here with us. Um, and I just want to say again to all of us over the summer, as you travel and as you do vacations, uh, don't vacation from God. Don't vacation from worship. Either find a church where you can worship where you're at, or at least tune in online. And so those of you who are maybe out of town this weekend and tuning in with us, uh, we're glad that you're with us. And for those of you who are in the chapel with AC, we're glad that you're with us. We love you guys too. Um, so... Um, Let's jump in and, and begin talking about King Uzziah. Um, I, I just, and I'll just say, uh, if you missed that QR code as, uh, as it came up in the video announcements and you want to catch that, we're going to pull that QR code up again uh, just so that you can uh, follow along with the scriptures and the notes um, if you want to do that on your smartphone and in version, uh, We're in this series looking at these good kings. And we're focusing in on this phrase that's in the Bible over and over and over again that says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, most of the kings, it says, he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. But there's eight kings where it says he did what was good in the eyes of the Lord. And so we're looking at these good kings, and what we're discovering is that every single one of them had a character flaw. Every single one of them had an issue that was so problematic that it brought pain and it brought destruction and it hurt them, hurt their family, and it hurt the kingdom because of this character flaw. That all of them started off really, really well. All of them, kind of the first three quarters of their life, uh, had some really good things happen, but in the end, they ended badly. And so we're just saying, how, how can we not make the same mistakes that they made and go down the same road that they went down. And so, um, as we talk about pride today, here's what I know. I know that you guys don't struggle with this. I know that most of you, this is not a problem for you. But here's what I know. The person next to you does struggle with this, okay? So, I want you to look to the person next to you and say, hey, I'm going to pray for you today. Just let them know that. Um, let them know that you're, you're really going to lean in and pray that the Lord will help them because this isn't something you struggle with. And, and I say that very, you know, tongue-in-cheek because the reality is all of us, to some degree, struggle with this, right? Um, all of us need to, to recognize the dangers of pride in, in our life. And so I want us to pray, and I want us to just say, Lord, would you, would you help me be receptive to what you have for me? And so would you, would you bow your heads with me? Father, um, Today is a day that we celebrate the independence of our nation. We're so grateful for our nation. We're so thankful uh, for, for the many blessings that you've given to us. But Lord, we also recognize that as a, as a people, uh, we as Americans are recognized probably around the world as the most arrogant people, the most pride-filled people that we look around at other nations and we think we're better than them. And and, and we as a nation are filled with pride. And so, Lord, even on today as we celebrate our independence, we want to we wanna say, Lord, help us to be filled with humility as a, as a nation and as a people. But God, we don't want to focus on our nation 
and miss what you have for us. We don't want to focus on the person next to us and I hope they're listening and oh no, so-and-so is on vacation. I hope they're tuning in because they really need this message. But Lord, I pray that you would help us receive what you have for us. God, I pray that even as I, even as I share this message, that your word would penetrate my heart, that I wouldn't miss what you have for me. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us this morning would truly hear from you. We invite you to convict us where we need to be convicted, to reveal to us where pride has slipped in. God, that you would help us repent and truly seek you with all of our heart. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, there's a, there's a great story about Muhammad Ali. I, I don't know the, the famous boxer. Muhammad Ali was not the most humble person. Uh, there's a story that's told that uh, Muhammad Ali was on an airplane and um, when the seatbelt sign came on and they announced, hey, you know, everybody needs to buckle your seatbelt, Muhammad Ali did not buckle his seatbelt. And as the story goes, the, the airline attendant finally had to come to Muhammad Ali and say, hey, Mr. Ali, I really need you to buckle your seatbelt. And the response that he gave was, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Um, to which, without skipping a beat, the airline attendant said, Superman don't need no airplane either. Um, and uh, so he promptly buckled his seatbelt. And I just, I, I love that story because I think uh, pride is easy. And you know, you look at people like Muhammad Ali and some of the things that he said and some of the things he did, and, and you can just see pride and arrogance all over somebody like that. And, and pride is one of those things that you can see in other people really clearly. And honestly, uh, sometimes the more you struggle with it yourself, the more you can see it clearly in other people. Um, and so you, sometimes you just, you see it in other people and it's so, so obvious in other folks and you don't see it in yourself. It is one of those sins that is a blinding sin. And it's one of those sins that even though we can see it in other people, we miss it in ourselves. And uh, here's what you need to know. All sin will kill you. All sin is destructive. All sin it, it leads to really bad endings. There, there's no such thing as like a, a light sin and a, a heavy sin. Or the, All sin will destroy you. But like cancer, there are some, all cancers will kill you, but there are some cancers that will kill you faster. There are some cancers that will kill you worse. I'll have, I just kind of made that up. I, that's not a really medical term. It'll kill you worse. Um, there's just, um, all cancers will kill you, but some are more aggressive. Some will destroy you a lot faster. Sin is that way. All sin will bring destruction and pain and death, but there are some sins that seem to do this more aggressively and bring about death and destruction in greater ways. And on every list of sins, uh, and, and every time we see sin in the Bible, pride is number one. It's like chief among sins. It, it's the sin that caused Lucifer to be cast out of heaven. It's, it's the sin that is listed as number one in the seven deadly sins. It's, it is this sin that leads to other sins. 
And, and it's, it's a blinding sin, so we don't often see it in ourselves. And so we just need to be very careful as we talk about this to recognize how dangerous this is. This, when you think about Jesus' track record in ministry, Jesus' track record in ministry of helping people that were like the worst of the worst, the tax collectors and the murderers and the prostitutes, Jesus was able to have a pretty good track record helping these people change their lives. The people that Jesus had a terrible track record helping to turn towards God were the Pharisees. They were the pride-filled religious elite. And so when you, when you understand that, it kind of helps us understand, wow, this is a big issue. This is a big one that we need to be careful with. And so let's look at good King Uzziah. Um, if you have your Bibles, he is in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 25. King Uzziah is the same guy that in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He had this vision. And so um, there is <clears throat> this good king dies. And Isaiah says, in that year, in that year, I saw the Lord. So <clears throat> let's talk about this king. Second Chronicles chapter 25 says this or 26. I'm sorry, I said 25. It's 26. Some of you are looking at your Bibles going, he's wrong. It's 26. <clears throat> 26 verse 1 says this, all the people of Judah had crowned Amaziah's 16-year-old son, Uzziah, as king in place of his father. After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Elath and restored it to Judah Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. 52 years. <clears throat> this is a long, long time. In fact, it's, it's one of the longest reigns of any of the kings. Uh, we're going to discover uh, real soon that Manasseh had a longer reign, and he was the worst of the worst of the bunch. Um, but uh, this is one of the longest reigns, 52 years. His mother was Jehoiah uh, from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. So here's that phrase. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear God. Now, this is a side note, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with this message, but I, I love that one little line there in Scripture. It says, Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear the Lord. And I just think every time there's somebody who's doing something significant in the limelight, there's always somebody behind them there's always a Barnabas behind a Paul. There's always a Zechariah behind a Uzziah. There's always somebody who's, who's building them up, speaking into them. And I just think it's a, it's a good question for us to say, who are the people that we're putting into our life <clears throat> that are able to encourage us and speak into our lives? And who are those people for you that are, are challenging you and teaching you to fear the Lord in your personal life? And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, 
God gave him success. As long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. I don't, I don't think there's a more important verse in this entire chapter than that verse. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. And uh, in, in your notes, you can just write this down uh, for Uzziah's godly character. The defining characteristic of Uzziah's early years is his seeking heart. Those who seek God are richly blessed. What, what God loves is people who can just say, I don't have it all together. I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but, but I'm pursuing after God. I'm, I'm seeking after God. And no matter where you are in your journey, to just keep that heart of just seeking and pursuing God. When we have that seeking heart, that pursuing heart, God is able to bless us. And it goes on in verse 6, we, we kind of read the rest of the story here. Uzziah declared war on the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath and Jabna and Ashdod. And then he built new towns in the Ashdod area and in other parts of Philistia. God helped him in his war. So again, there's this, God was helping him. God was blessing him in all of these wars against the Philistines, in his battles with the Arabs of Gur, in his wars with the Munanites. And the, the Munites paid annual tribute to him. And his fame spread to Egypt. So God's helping him. God, he's seeking after the Lord. God's blessing him in these wars. God's blessing him. His fame is spreading even to Egypt. I mean, people are hearing about this guy. They're like, wow, this is good. Something really good's happening down there in Judah. For he had become very powerful. I mean, so he's, he's just, good things are happening all around him. Uzziah built fortified towers in Jerusalem and at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle in the wall. I, sometimes I just like details in scripture. Sometimes like, I just think that's funny. Just, and at the angle, you know, at the corner, at the angle in the wall. I mean, somebody at some point knew exactly what he was talking about. They're like, oh yeah, remember that? And he said, it's just in there. I think that's cool. I think the details like that are interesting. He also constructed forts in the wilderness, dug many water cisterns because he kept great herds of livestock in the foothills of Judah and on the plains. He was also a man who loved the soil. If you're a gardener in here, you would have liked Uzziah. Like he, he's your guy. I mean, he, was, he just liked to get his hands in the dirt Actually, he liked to get all of his workers' hands in the dirt because then the next says he had many workers who cared for his farms and vineyards, both on the hillsides and fertile. Maybe he helped them every now and then. I don't know, but he liked the soil. Uzziah had an army of well-trained warriors ready to march into battle, unit by unit. Verse 12 goes on and says this, these regiments of mighty warriors were commanded by 2,600 clan leaders the army consisted of 307,500 men, all elite troops, 
they were prepared to assist the king against any enemy. Uzziah provided the entire army with shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and sling stones. Now, just pause here. Sometimes, you know, when you think about the Roman army, when you think about our army, when you think about different armies and, you know, and you'll watch movies with, with armies, you kind of think to yourself, well, if you have an army, of course you provide them with shields and of course you provide them with helmets and of, I mean, that, that just kind of makes sense. But I think it's important for us to remember that that's not always been the case for the people of Israel. In fact, more often than not, when they went into battle, they were always the underdogs, kind of bringing the pitchforks and the shovels. Um, they, they were always this ragtag group of slaves that God had delivered and brought into this promised land. You know, they had some weapons and, and sometimes they had things and other times they didn't. But what we're seeing here is they finally come to the place where they had arrived. They finally had everything that everybody else had. I mean, they had all the equipment, they had all of the, the different things. And, and so they're, they're at a good, good place. Verse 15 says this, and he built structures on the walls of Jerusalem designed by experts to protect those who shot arrows and hurled large stones from the towers and the corners of the wall. I mean, this is just cool stuff. The guy likes dirt. The guy likes creating, you know, technology to like do war better. I mean, th this is kind of like a Renaissance man. You know, he's, he's just got all of these pieces. And it says his fame spread far and wide for the Lord gave him marvelous help and he became very powerful. So we see really clearly that the Lord was the one that was giving him marvelous help. And we know that the reason the Lord was giving him marvelous help is because it says earlier that as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. So um, in your notes, you can just write this down. Uzziah is an illustration of the truth of Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Uzziah is just an example of this. I mean, seek God first, pursue God first, and God's going to give you all the things that you need. And for Uzziah, he gave him great success. He gave him all kinds of good things that, um, I mean, he was just blessed. There's all kinds of good characteristics of Uzziah that we could focus on, but the, the point of this series is for us to say, what's the problem? What's the chink in the armor? What is the character flaw? What is the, the leak in the boat? What was the problem with King Uzziah? And we see that in the very next verse, in verse 16. It says this, the first part of that verse says, but when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. Because when he became powerful, he became proud, which led to his downfall. I mean, there it is. 
if, if there was a soundtrack with this chapter of Scripture, like right there, it'd be like, dun, dun, dun. I mean, there'd be like this ominous music that would begin to play, and you, they were like, the lights would dim, and it would just be like, oh, no. Here it is. Like, when good things started to happen, he became proud, and it led to his downfall. Um, where did the blessings come from? We know the blessings came from God. We know the reason the blessings came is because he was seeking after God. And yet, when the blessings came, he became proud. And this is the problem. The more God blesses us, the easier it is for us to begin to go, wow, I've got it pretty good. And then we start to think we don't need God as much. And then we become proud, we become arrogant, and we walk away from the Lord and this is just a cycle that we see in the people of God in Scripture. But it's a cycle that if we're honest with ourselves, we see in our own lives. The next part of that verse, uh, 16, says this. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. So the problem with this was he, he was he was mixing church and state. Now, we think of our nation and we think, you know, you don't mix church and state. And we think that's original to us because we're arrogant Americans. But this goes all the way back, you know, to the people of Israel. And the reality is, is they didn't mix church and state. The king was over the state and the priest was over the, the, over the temple and the church. And, and so, he was saying, I'm going to be king and I'm going to be high priest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over everything. And, and there was just this arrogance of doing this. And in verse 17, we pick it back up. And Azariah, the high priest, went in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord. So you can just imagine, this isn't just like one like, hey, king, just want to have a little quiet one-on-one -on -one with you. Now, this 81 priests are like chasing in after him like, Whoa, whoa, don't do this. This is bad. You're not supposed to do this. 80, 81 of them. And they confronted King Uzziah and they said, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is the work of the priests alone. The descendants of Aaron who were set apart for the work, get out of the sanctuary for you have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. And this was a great opportunity for Uzziah to repent. You're going to have these moments in life where you're, you're going down a road you shouldn't go and God will send someone to you and they will say to you, hey, this is bad. This is not a good road. And they might do it gently. They might do it lovingly. Sometimes they might do it strongly, but but they're going to come to you and there's going to be an opportunity to repent, an opportunity to turn back and this is unfortunately what happens in verse 19. Uzziah, who was holding an incense burner, became furious. But as he was standing there raging at the priests before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. I don't think there's any accidents in Scripture. I don't think there's any coincidence that the leprosy broke out in the one place that everybody else could see it, but he could 
just like pride. He has leprosy break out on his forehead. It's, it's the one place that it's like everybody in that room, all 81 priests were like, oh my goodness, leprosy on his forehead, and he couldn't see it himself. I mean, what a, what a powerful parallel to the very problem that he had with pride that everybody else could see it, but he couldn't see it in his own life. And so, verse 20 says, when Azariah the high priest and all the other priests saw the leprosy, they rushed him out, and the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord had struck him. And so King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died, and he lived in isolation in a separate house, for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. And his son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. So in your notes, you can just write this down, the dangers of spiritual blessings. I mean, God blessed King Uzziah, but the dangers of spiritual blessings are this. Um, the cause of his sin was pride. He had pride creep in. He received these blessings from the Lord, and the more blessings he received militarily, agriculturally, politically, financially, as he began to receive all of these blessings, he became proud. And so, um, really what this comes down to is his pride was a, a wrong response to the blessings of God. There's a guy named Cotton Mather. Um, Cotton Mather has an amazing hairdo. I want you to see this picture of this guy. Um, Wow, that's a good-looking hairdo on this guy. Um, Cotton Mather uh, wrote a history of New England in 1702. And so, historically, just to kind of, you know, give you some time frame here, this is 80 years after Plymouth Rock, okay? So, this is really early in, uh, into our, our nation and into this new land. And he wrote this history on, on kind of the, the history of New England, and he talked about the history of Harvard in this. Uh, it's very important historical work. Talked about the Salem witch trials, which he had been a part of. Uh, but in it, he says this about New England. He says, religion brought forth prosperity, and the daughter destroyed the mother. Religion brought forth prosperity, and the daughter, prosperity, devoured or destroyed the mother. I, I think it's, it's fascinating when, when you think about the, the history of our nation, that we have seen this play out over and over and over again. God does good things that, that people seek after God. Our nation seeks after God that God then blesses our nation in amazing ways, and, and then the prosperity, the daughter of God's blessings, devours or destroys our pursuit of God. So even as we celebrate our Independence Day, I, I would just say um, we need to recognize as a people that, that God has blessed our country that God has given us so many good gifts. The fact that we have our freedom, the fact that we have so many blessings, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But all too often, those blessings have caused us to become proud, 
those, those blessings. And I'm, I'm just telling you, if you travel outside of the United States, you, anyone outside of the United States will tell you that Americans are seen as just really arrogant, proud people. That we're not perceived by the world in, in a good lens. And it's, it's because we often do. We just strut around and we look around at other people around the world and we think we're better than them. And, and somehow we think because we have gotten God's blessings that we're better and that, that somehow we deserved those blessings. And, and so and I want to be careful because if we start doing this too much, we'll all start thinking about America and we'll go, yeah, America, it's really bad. America, it's, it's we're, we're really, those Americans, they're really proud. And we'll forget we're one of them and we'll forget we're part of the problem. And so let's not go down that road. Let's do this. Let's say, God, how am I is an American, maybe sometimes filled with pride and arrogance. God, work on me. I can't, I can't fix everybody. I, as much as I want to fix the person next to me and as much as you want to fix the person next to you, you can't fix them. You can't fix the person that you're really hoping is going to watch this sermon online. You're going to forward it to them this week and say, hey, really need to watch this week's message. It was really good. You can't fix them. But God wants to work on your heart and God wants to work on my heart. And so, um, God doesn't bless us to make us proud. Write this, uh, write this in your notes. God blesses us to lead us to repentance. That's why God blesses us, to lead us to repentance. Romans uh, chapter 2 verse 4 says this, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? And sometimes we want to say, no, I Paul, I, I don't always see that. I'm, you know, I, I miss that sometimes. And then he says, does this mean nothing to you? He says, can't you see that this, that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? <laughs> Paul, sometimes I miss it. Like I, man, I, I don't always recognize that his goodness is intended to turn me from my sin. I, how many of us, here's what I want us to do. Just take, it, take an exercise for a moment. I want you to just think for a moment of a time in your life when things were going really bad. And all of us can do this. There's a moment in our, in our, our life, our, our history, our past, and it might be recently, maybe it's now, maybe it's a long time ago, but I mean, it things were going bad. Either they were going bad really spiritually, they were going bad financially, they were going bad emotionally. They, there was just a lot of problems, a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. And you began when there were all those problems probably to do something like this. God, why me? I mean, why why would all this bad thing be happening? Why would I be in this difficult place? We just start saying, why me, God? Why me? And, and all of us have done that to some extent, to some level. But here, here's the other question I want to ask you. Think of a time when everything was just going perfect. I mean, hitting on all cylinders, financially, emotionally, relationally. I mean, it couldn't be better in your life. When those moments happen, how many of us have gone, God, why me? Why, why would you pour out all these blessings on my life? Why would you pour out all these good things in my, I mean, God, why me? 
Why is it that every time things are going bad, we go, why me? But when things are going good, we don't go, why me? Why, why is it that we do that? And what Paul is saying here in Romans is, listen, when God pours out his blessings, it's meant to cause us to say, God, why me? Why would you be so good to me? Why would you be so good to my family? Why would you be so good to our church? Why would you be so good to our nation? It's meant to cause us to lean in even more to God. But, but oftentimes what happens is this, we're like Uzziah. And th- I mean, just let's go back to that moment that was bad. Think about it. There, there, there's been some bad times in your life. There's been some hard times, some difficult times. And probably in those hard and difficult times, you started leaning into God. You started seeking God. You started pursuing God. You started chasing after God. And, and you began to experience God's goodness and you began to experience God's blessings, and you began to experience all these things. And what happens all too often is the more we experience God's blessings, the more we're like Uzziah, and instead of those blessings causing us to chase after God even more, the blessings get in the way of us chasing after God. And we start trusting in the blessings instead of trusting in God. And oftentimes, The more blessed we get, the further we get away from the one who's doing the blessing. It makes no sense. Why do we do this? I don't know. That happens over and over in the Bible, and it happens over and over in our lives. And so then we just have to recognize that we are susceptible to this. And the problem with us, the problem with sometimes our nation is the same problem with the people of God when God warned them before they entered into the promised land, God said to them in, uh, through Moses in Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 18, but that is the time to be careful. When, when the good things start to come, when the blessings start to be poured out into your life, that's the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry that he gave you water from the rock and he fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors." He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant He confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. So God blesses us so that we turn towards Him and that we would recognize how good He is to us. And then in your notes, write this down. God blesses us not to make us proud, but to enable us to be a blessing to others. 
Whenever you experience God's blessings, He always blesses you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. That's why He has blessed you. Listen to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. So God wasn't saying to Abram, listen, I'm going to bless you because I like you better than everybody else. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great so that you can be a blessing to others and you can make a difference in their life. In Psalm 67, 1 and 2, it says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. I I love this. A lot of times you'll hear people say, God, will you bless me? Will you provide? Will you do, you know, God, will you bless me? Will you bless me? Will you bless me? People, and maybe they don't use those, those words exactly, but that's what they're saying. God, do something for me. Whenever you hear somebody praying that prayer or whenever you hear yourself praying that prayer, make sure you finish the prayer. Make sure you do the second part of that prayer, which is this. Will you do this so that your way may be known on the earth? God, don't just bless me for me. God, will you do this so that other people can see your goodness and you can be glorified? Will you do that so that I can be a blessing to other people and I can make a difference in their lives and they can see your goodness through me? So the whole point of God's blessing is so that we would turn to him in a greater way. And Uzziah forgot this. He forgot this. And the truth of the matter is we forget this sometimes. So um, what I want to do just with the rest of our time very quickly is… I want to I want to talk about pride, and I want to just point out the, the the bad side of it and how we can avoid it. And it, it's 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 not a hard cure. It's really, it's really a pretty simple cure. We'll get to the cure in a minute, but let's let's talk about the word pride. The problem, whenever I preach a sermon like this, is every time I preach a sermon like this, I'll have about three or four people that come up to me afterwards, and they'll say, "So is it wrong for me to be proud of my children?" And I want to, you know, is it wrong for me to be proud of my grandkids or is it, is it wrong for me to be a proud that I accomplished this work or I did this and I, and the, the problem with the American, not the American, the problem with the, the English language is the English language uses the same words for multiple things all the time, right? So there's just, there's one word and the word pride that has been translated from Scripture into English, we say pride in some good ways, right? I'm, I'm proud of my kids. I'm, I'm proud of my, you know, uh, accomplishment here. I, I did this hard work and I'm proud of that, you know, I, whatever. Like we can say those kinds of good contexts for pride. And so I'll just say there can be the word proud doesn't have to always be a bad thing, but it confuses us because we think of those good notions of pride, and then we read in Scripture that God hates pride, and we go, wow, God hates that I'm proud of my kids? 
you know, and it confuses people. So here's what I want you to do. Um, first of all, um, when you think about pride, know that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And this is a quote that's often attributed to C.S. Lewis. It's actually found um, in a couple of different places. One of those is in Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, but the reality is humility isn't thinking, of your, thinking less of yourself. God doesn't want you thinking you're a terrible person and you're a horrible person, like, oh, I'm not good at anything. And you know, the truth is you are probably pretty good at some things. You know, if you're a fast runner, it's okay to say I'm a fast runner. You're not a terrible person to say I'm a fast runner. Now, um, you should pour your life into better achievements than running. I was like, for you runners out there, I'll pick on you. I hate running. So anyway, um, so, but you know, if, if you're good at something, it's okay to say I'm good at this. There's nothing wrong with that. Just say I'm, I'm good at this. God doesn't want you to have a lesser view of yourself. He just wants you to have an accurate view of yourself. The problem with most of us is we have inflated our view of ourself, and God says that's not healthy. Have an accurate view. Um, in fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So it's okay to be honest with an evaluation and say, I'm, I'm good at these things. That's not an unhealthy pride. Um, where, where it becomes problem is when that healthy pride for an accomplishment, healthy pride in things that you've been a part of, turns into arrogant pride. And the word pride can kind of have good context in English and it can have negative. But I don't think there's any positive context for arrogance. Um, so when you think of the word arrogant, there's really never a good example of that. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm very arrogant about my children. But, you know, all of a sudden that becomes unhealthy, right? And everybody reckon. So whenever you're reading in Scripture that God hates pride, you should just kind of think God hates arrogant pride. And I, I think that'll help you with the context of this uh, biblically. So there's everything wrong with arrogant pride in your notes that looks down on others. When you get to the place where you just you find yourself being blessed by God and looking down at people that are not yourself. This could maybe be as Americans as we look down at other people in other countries and we think somehow they're lesser than us because they weren't born in America. No, that's ridiculous. This could be because you're just really good at doing the stuff. Last week we talked about the stuff, right? I'm, I'm doing the rules, I'm doing the good things, I'm doing the stuff. And you get really good at doing the stuff and you start to look at people who aren't as good at you at doing the stuff and you start to look down on them. And you start to think, you know, if only they could do the stuff as good as I'm doing the stuff. And there's a, a great passage that we don't want to read the whole thing, but um, in your notes, it's there, Luke 18, 9 through 14. It's the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And I would just encourage you to read that on your own this week. But it begins with this verse in verse 9. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. They were just really good at doing the stuff. 
and they begin to look down on other people. That's, that's a very dangerous, arrogant pride. Don't go down those roads. Um, scripture's clear that God hates arrogant pride. Um, Proverbs 8.13 says this, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. Proverbs 15.25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud and he protects the property of the widow. Man, when I read passages that say God tears down the house of the proud, I'm like, I don't want any of that. Like, you know, God's going to tear down, you know, I mean, God, God hates, God actively tears down. These are really strong words in Scripture that talk about arrogant pride. So here's, here's what we need to know, um, that God hates this arrogant pride, uh, but there is, there's, an, there's a, an answer or a cure. And so in your notes, just uh, write this down under how to keep our pride in check. And I'll close with this. This is not a blank in your notes, but you need to write it down. It's just keep seeking. Keep seeking. If you go back to that scenario, we'll, I'll fill in the other blanks too. Some of you are like, is he not going to give us the… I'll, I'll give you the blanks. But, but this is really what it comes down to. Just keep seeking. The reason Uzziah… The reason Uzziah quit seeking and, and turned to pride, I don't know. But what we do know is he quit seeking. Because the Bible says, as long as he sought the Lord, God blessed him. And somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, and you know this is true because you've experienced this in your own life, you're in a bad spot and you start seeking God. You start seeking God. You start seeking God. And then God begins to do some good things. And there comes a point when He's done enough good things that you quit seeking God and you started to go backwards. And the answer for pride is just keep seeking the Lord. And when God does good things, you need to be looking up to heaven going, God, why me? Why, why would you bless me this way? Why would you do this good thing? Why, why would you keep… And, and we just need to keep seeking and we need to keep crying out to God, God, I, I'm just so thankful for this. Why would you do this for me? That the blessing should turn us to God in a greater way. In, in your blanks, you can just write this down. Share the credit. Share the credit. I'm, I'm telling you, um, when God does a good thing in your life, the tendency is for you to think you did this yourself. And the reality is never that. The reality is, is God always put people in your life that helped you. God always put people around you that lifted you up, that encouraged you, that, that put you forward, that you are where you are because a lot of people helped you get to where you are, wherever that is. Never forget that. Never forget that. And you need to always be willing to share that credit. And when anything good happens in your life, you need to be able to celebrate the people around you. And the more good things happen, the more you need to celebrate the people around you. And the more you do that, the more God will allow you to be able to experience good things and to hold on to a spirit 
of humility. And then the last one is just this, listen to the people around you. I love in chapter 26, verse 17 and 18, 81 priests chase after Uzziah saying, whoa, 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 don't do this. This is a bad idea. Don't burn incense in there. 81. But he didn't listen. He didn't listen to the people that God sent to speak into his life. And I'm just telling you, this will happen in your life. You'll be going down a road you shouldn't go, and God will send some people, some loving people, some, some Christ followers, some, and, and they're going to say, hey, you know what? I'm concerned about you. I, I care about you. I'm, this is a bad road to go down, and you have a choice to become filled with pride and get angry or to listen to the people that God sends to you to turn you back. And I'm telling you, if, if you'll keep seeking, if you'll keep sharing the credit, and if you'll keep listening to the people that God sends around you, you'll be in a whole lot safer place of not falling prey to what took Uzziah down, and we'll all be better off because of that. So, hey, let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord to help us with this. Father, we, we just recognize that this is an easy sin for us to fall prey into. Every single one of us here has gone down these roads at different times and different places. Lord, we've, we've become arrogant because of accomplishments or we've become arrogant because we're doing really well at following you and pursuing you and chasing after you. And, and we look around and we see someone else who's not chasing after you with the same fervency that we're chasing after you and, and we begin to look down on them. We begin to forget what you've done in our heart that brought us to the place that enabled us to come after you with all of our hearts. And God, we just, we recognize this morning how destructive this sin is. We recognize this morning how easy it is for us to see it in other people and how hard it is for us to see it in ourselves. And so Lord, because of that, we pray that your Holy Spirit would, would search us and reveal to us the places that arrogant pride has slipped in. And God, I pray that you would help send other people into our lives, loving, good people, brothers and sisters in Christ who would be able to come around us and, and that they would see what we cannot see ourselves and they would be able to gently point it out to us and that, God, we wouldn't get angry, but we would respond and we would repent and we would allow you to do a greater work in us because we keep that spirit of humility. Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every person that's here, each and every person who's watching online. Lord, that, that we would be a church, that we would be a people that would not fall prey to Uzziah's sin, and that pride would not destroy us, but we would keep seeking after you. We would keep chasing after you, and as we do that, you would be able to pour out your blessings in us so that we can be a blessing to others. And God, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to read this passage to you. Would you stand and hear the benediction as we go from this place? In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5, it says, Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah who taught him to fear the Lord. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. As you go from here, may you be a people 
that seeks after God with all of your heart so that he can continue to give you success so that you can be a blessing to others. Go in his peace to love people the way he's loved you. You're dismissed.